welcome everybody to Life University and our brand new journey that we are calling Pause. Um, if you are not looking for a Life University class called Pause, this is a great time to exit and we will not judge you at all. Maybe a little bit, but not too much. Um, if you're looking for adult parenting or Life Group Central or the Discipleship School, this is not any of those three. Um, but just really are glad that you're all here. My name is Carl and uh, Blair and I are so grateful we get to take this journey with you, and so I hope you're sitting by a couple people that you know. If not, hopefully you'll get a chance to get to, to know those folks that you're there with, and um, if you have a Bible, you can open it to John chapter 7, verse 33. If you don't have a Bible, that's okay. You can just hear me read, but let's all stand together for the reading of Scripture. I'm thankful I get to do a lot of what I do with Mick Murray, and he has challenged me in this regard, so beautiful to stand as we read the words of heaven. John chapter 7, verse 33. Jesus then said, I will be with you a little while longer, and then I'm going to him who sent me. You will, stre- you will search for me, but you will not find me, and where I am you cannot come. The Jews said to one another, where does this man intend to go that we will not find him? Does he intend to go to the dispersion among the Greeks and teach the Greeks? What does he mean by saying, you will search for me and you will not find me, and where I am you cannot come? On the last day of the festival, the great day, while Jesus was standing there, he cried out, let anyone who is thirsty come to me, and let the one who believes in me drink. As the scripture has said, out of the believer's heart shall flow rivers of living water. Isn't that beautiful? Lord Jesus, we are gathered here tonight with a desire to meet you, and thank you for these friends, and maybe some are asking that question, where is Jesus? Where has he gone? What is going on? And you have a promise for each one in this room that if we believe in you, from our innermost being will flow rivers, will flow streams of living water. That's what we want, God, the beauty of intimacy with you more than anything else on earth. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. You can take a seat. All right. Well, like I said, I am beyond honored that you would come and that you would uh, be with us. Mick Murray and I started brainstorming about this class, and I told him, I was like, Mick, what if nobody comes? Like, the last, one of my friends was supposed to lead a class in the spring, and they had to call him and say, sorry, nobody signed up for your class. And so I was like, what if that happens to me? And he's like, what do you think? I was like, well, if I get eight, I'll do it if I have at least eight. And he's like, okay, great. I said, less than eight, let's just scrap it. He said, okay. So I said, why don't you send out, do a little text thread just with people to see if they actually resonate with this topic and would come. The first text he sent, a guy responded immediately and said, I really love Carl and I really need that topic. And there is no way in Hades I'm going to the church for seven weeks in a row on a Monday night from six to 7.30. I don't care what the topic is. And so I, I heard that. I was like, well, it sounds like we're headed to eight people, you know, is, what the, is where we're going. And then we had about 95 people um, show up. So um, I just learned we were moved to this room today. So I was like, all right, awesome. So it just makes me wonder, um, why is everybody here tonight? You may be wondering that. Um, do me a favor, close your eyes. And just answer that question. Why am I here tonight? What's the deepest need you have right now?
you can look up if you didn't answer it. That's okay. I just don't want you to fall asleep. Um, and if you're like, I don't really know, to be honest. You know, I don't, I don't really know why I'm here. Um, there's an old story about a European explorer who hired some African uh, trail guides to help him take on a courageous, wildly uh, dangerous mission through the African jungles. And they got all their stuff together, and on day one, they plowed through the jungles and made historic uh, re- you know, record amount of terrain they were able to cover. The explorer was really excited, and day two got the team and said, let's take off, and went off, and they did it day two. And they covered even more terrain day two, and of course, that just shot adrenaline straight to the heart of that explorer. He got up the next morning, bright and early, ready to go, and was looking around and could not find anybody. And was like, what's going on? He found the translator and said, where are the guys? And I don't know. So went and found the guys, and they're all sitting around a fire, not moving. So he has to report that back to the explorer. And he was like, we are burning daylight. We're late. Tell them we've got to go. And they went back, and they told the translator, we're not going today. Well, that ticked off the explorer. And he was like, actually, I'm paying you. You need to get up and go. We have more uh, more terrain to, to conquer and they said, we're not going today. And so they finally just spoke up. And he finally said, okay, why? And they reported back, they needed time for their souls to catch up with their bodies. And I have a hunch that that may be why you're here tonight. That you just saw this title and thought, yeah, that sounds good. You know, I need time for my soul to catch up with my body. And you're probably a busy person. I'm a busy person. I had a busy day. Anybody else have a busy day? Um, This is not where I give you the Mary Martha rebuking all the busy people sermon, okay? So don't worry about that. I don't think it's a a sin to be busy. I think Jesus was a busy person. I think we just need to be able to understand there's a difference between being busy and being hurried. Being busy is an outer condition of the body. Jesus was often busy going to a synagogue ruler's house, um, then getting stopped to heal a woman with the issue of blood, dealing with all of his disciples and different people on the way. And uh, he was often busy. But being hurried is a different thing. It's an inner condition of the soul where I'm too preoccupied to be present to God or others. And a lot of times that's where we find ourselves. And, but Jesus was never hurried. Um, and if you live here long enough, you live in the hurry place, um, you'll develop some scars. And if you don't have any scars, you can have some of mine. I have an overabundant flow of these that you could just take if you wanted. Um, but I know that you, you don't want those. That's not, that's not why you're here. You're here to get rid of those, okay? And so uh, in the weeks to come, what our hope is, is that you'll go, we'll go on a seven-week journey together and just be able to experience, wherever you are in this journey, how to get that rivers of living water that your soul so needs, and then we're going to trust the Holy Spirit to do the rest, okay? And, um, you know, this journey is going to be interactive, and so we're going to do some different practices, do some different things together that may be new to you, maybe not. Um, but I want to be clear at the same time, I'm not a magician. I can't really sprinkle church fairy dust on you and you're going to leave tonight and be different. Okay. That's, that's not really even the, the goal of our, of our, of our time. Um, while I will be giving you some different ideas to think about and take home, this is not the, here's a whole bunch of ideas that you feel overloaded by. And now you've got to go home and figure out how to do them. Uh, here's your shot in the pants to go live another week. That's not this class. There is a great place for that class, and I'm thankful for those classes and taking them. This is going to be a a call to very simply and maybe even painfully slow down and step into a slowed-down spirituality where we can get to those streams of living water, all right? 
So you've got a packet you can follow along or not. You can take notes or not. Come on in, guys, and you can grab a seat. There's two seats up here, one up here. We'd love to have you there. But um, for the moment, though, why don't you just put your stuff there on your table and just want to... We want Blair and I, Blair, why don't you come up here together, babe? We want to just pause here for a moment. Since it's called pause, we thought we'd start by pausing, all right? And um, so glad to have you guys. We're going to pause, and um, we're going to do something called Lectio Divina together, or sometimes it's called Lectio Divina. If you are in church a couple months ago, I shared about this. It just means it's, a, it's Latin for sacred reading. We're just going to read the Bible, and we're just going to read it slowly and just let it seep over you, just let it wash over you. And uh, so I want you to do is just close your eyes for a moment, if you would. Just take a few deep breaths. Just breathe in, breathe out. Just start to center on the Lord. And we're just going to read Psalm 23. It's the message version. We're just going to read this over you. And as... Blair reads it, just see if there's like a word or a phrase that might stick out to you, that the Holy Spirit might just put on your heart. And just, if so, just grab that word, grab that phrase. Just let your shoulders come down a bit. If your mind starts going different places, totally normal, just bring it back to Him. Let the water of the word just wash over you and see if He might speak a word or phrase to you. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his namesake. Even though I walk Through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, oh, I'm looking at the wrong version. Sorry, keep going. They comfort me. You prepare a table before me. Sorry, just changed. Sorry, I turned my phone off so it wouldn't be distracted, and then it changed the version. So, You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And again, just if there was a word or a phrase that stuck with you, just let it play around your head. Just meditate on that word and that phrase.
Did I read it again? Just see if there's a, there might be some emotions that come up. Maybe there's some things you don't feel that you might come up or things you're not experiencing there in this psalm or maybe some beautiful sensations that God gives you. And just bring that to the Lord after I read this. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And again, just if anything you're feeling, just bring that to the Lord. Sometimes a good way to do this part is to say, here's what I'm experiencing, God, when I hear this. Here's what I feel. I'm going to read it one more time. Blair's going to read it, and it's going to be the message version. It's going to change it just a little bit. But listen and just ask, is there an invitation for me from this psalm? See if there's an invitation for you as she reads. God, my shepherd, I don't need a thing. You have bedded me down in lush meadows, and you find me quiet pools to drink from. True to your word, you let me catch my breath and send me in the right direction. Even when the way goes through Death Valley, I'm not afraid. When you walk at my side, your trusty shepherd's crook makes me feel secure. You serve me a six-course dinner right in front of my enemies. You revive my drooping head. My cup brims with blessing. Your beauty and love chase after me every day of my life. I'm back home in the house of God for the rest of my life. 
So if you've heard an invitation there for you, just thank God for that. If, if not, you just sit quietly with him or have gratitude for him or let that one word or phrase just play over in your head. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. Let's have a little interaction here. How was that for you? No wrong answer. Someone just yell out, this is what it was like. Wonderful. Relaxing. Calming. Refreshing. Reassuring. Reassuring. Anybody like, that was a lot of silence, Carl. How's Chase Mark usually plays on the, Blair, Blair. <laughs> Told you charity beforehand. That's Blair's heart. She's like, oh, God, the silence, kick it up. Chase Mark, come play underneath Carl. You know, let's keep it, get the awkward out. Yeah. Yeah, I understand. Um, on the front of your packet, the very front page, actually has our title, and it says, My Lectio. That's the place where you can actually write down if there was one word or phrase that stuck. Like for me, the word I stuck, that stuck out with me was surely. So I would write the word surely right there. Um, if there was an invitation that you heard from the Lord, you can just write that in that blank there. It's just so that you don't lose that and uh, um, you can kind of hang on to it. And I just even encourage you, if one phrase or word did come to your mind, feel free to just be a little distracted tonight while I'm talking and just let it play in your head. Just let it keep going. Just keep thinking, surely, surely. Like, oh, wait, I just missed 10 minutes what Carl said. I think it'd make a little bit bigger impact than even what I said. And the question is, why did we just start that way? Um, and the reason is because is this is a class. This is a course where we um, you know, are going to be getting lots of information. But I, I wanted to really start with the peace of God. Because, uh, as I've said before, oftentimes you come to church, and we don't even know it, but kind of in our unconscious, subconscious place, we think, I'm going to go and I'm going to get this information, and then I'm going to put it with my dedication or my willpower, and then that's going to lend itself to change. And that actually does work for a while until it doesn't work anymore. Either the information's not great, or the willpower goes down, and we find ourselves going, huh? I can't change myself. Well, this is not changing. And I think that maybe that's some reason some people are kind of tired these days. We have an ever-increasing amount of information, podcasts, sermons, books, but an ever-decreasing amount of willpower, right? We, we feel the disciples when they were like, when Jesus was like, man, the, I know that the, the Spirit's willing, but the flesh is weak. So we, we, we feel that, that weariness, and uh, that can actually lead those to some, some frustration. And so we were like, okay, I know what to do. I just can't get there. And didn't want to be, you to believe that we're starting this time saying, here's 10 things you need for renewal, okay? That's not what we're going for. That, like I said, that's not this class. Our goal is just to uh, follow the Holy Spirit. Um, for me, this journey began on this sabbatical that you've heard me talk about, maybe if you've been at church, and it started in Montana. So I went away. Anybody been to Montana? It's not an ugly place. 
It is awesome. And I went for a week by myself and drove up to Glacier National Park. If you've not been there, you need to go. But national parks are not great at Wi-Fi, okay? So I learned pretty quickly that if I was going to find my way anywhere in Glacier, I would need to set my Google Maps beforehand, put on airplane mode, and that would hold the map, and then I could go from that point on. So I got, and one, the day I showed up, I had booked a horseback tour that I was going to be doing. So I didn't know how to get there, but I saved it in my phone. But my phone battery was also going down. So I'm in the park early that day, seeing all kinds of things and realize it's about that time I probably need to head over. And I'm talking, poof, my map disappeared, like just gone. And I was just ticked off now. Like, I was like, I don't know how to make it. I'm in a national park, okay? This is not like the size of like, I don't know, Waco or something. It's not like I'm just gonna stumble upon this place. And so I'm driving everywhere, even stopped and asked a park ranger. They were not helpful. Um, And so I... I am driving this little Prius on the backside of Glacier National Park, lost as a goose, and I am getting internal rage, okay? And I literally, I'm embarrassed to say, floored it to about 80 miles an hour, and I am just, go, I'm getting loster faster. I am just going further and further away, and I just lose it, guys. I start pounding on the steering wheel. I'm like, God, where are you? You know, if anybody saw me, it would be on viral right now. I'd be going viral. I turn the corner and I hit it again. And I look up and this mama bear and her two cubs are in the middle of the road, about 30 yards away. And I come to a, a, a kind of slow down. I kind of pull up as the mother lets the cubs go. And she stands up and I'm talking, she's not from me to that pole on all, standing up, looking at me. And the majesty of that moment hit me, and I rolled up the windows. You know, I was like, I like this fear of God moment, but you're over there, and I'm going to be here. It was majestic, and it calmed me down, and I just, she walked off, and I just turned around, drove slowly, started to see signs that I had missed at 80 miles an hour, and then found myself at the horse corral, and I walked up, and I'm like, hi, I'm Carl, I'm here for the, and they're like, yeah, you're early. I'm like, I always am, you know, and, and so she's like, just take a seat, I'm like, great, and I'm just acting so content and peaceful. Not, no, no, nobody knows that I had a nervous breakdown about seven minutes ago, you know, but I think that that is actually sometimes how we all are, right? We can have we, we are, we're all actually there in one level or, no, or not. Like we're like, okay, where am I with God? Where am I? I'm trying to find myself. There's all these maps people have given me. They don't seem to be working right now. They've kind of vanished actually right now. I'm going through something I never knew I would be going through. I'm going 100 miles an hour. I'm just getting loster faster. Anybody, anybody else felt that way? Yeah? And I think that just like that cell phone battery was... Um, you know, analogy, um, you know, my phone, I don't know what happened. I guess my bat- charger was not plugged in last night. I woke up and my phone was at 9%. And when that, your phone's at 9%, you die quicker, okay? You, and that's, and I think that honestly, we all went into 2020. And if you could go back and look at your emotional and spiritual phone battery pre-2020, I bet you were a little lower than you think. In the last few years didn't give us a whole lot to cheer about. Like, let's take airlines. The airlines, okay? Uh, Before 2020, airlines reported there were 10 incidents per month of poor behavior by people that either grounded the plane or resulted in severe fines. However, since the pandemic, that number quadrupled. There were over 500 in 2021. We are now on pace to beat that on 2022. Pause. 
Guys, everything that's on these notes that I've read so far, I wrote a week ago, okay? And I flew to Portland on Monday, and I needed to go over these notes. They were sitting here in my lap when we took off, and we were, as we were about to take off, and they're telling you, put your buckle on, and here's your oxygen. A woman, one of the flight attendants goes, ma'am, ma'am, no, you cannot, no, get out of the bathroom, sit down. And I looked at my neighbor, and she went, dang it, we were this close to being on time. And they bring security on, and then they said, sorry, folks, we're going back to the gate. Sorry, security comes on. People are pulling out their phones. And I was like, oh, my gosh, I'm living in that moment. Like, I'm going to be on Fox News tonight. Like, this is going to go viral. We're going to have a throwdown. And I'm not kidding. I just leaned over to the lady next to me and said, I'm teaching on this next week. And she reads my notes out loud. She's going, there were 500. You're talking on this? Like, and so she's, like, pulling up her phone. Like, like, he was talking about this, you know? And I'm like, this... I was like, this really is the case. Like, this is, we're, it's all falling apart, you know? Now, it was so funny as this happened. And thank God, she was just high and intoxicated. They escorted her, and she didn't cause an all-out fight. Just high and intoxicated. Uh, but we weren't, like, knocking out teeth or anything, you know? And I was just like, I think we proved it. Our reserves are gone, all right? And the last few years have been a little bit more exhausting than we knew. Um, there's some psychologists that have done some study, and they've pointed out about five things that we've lost the last five years, and you've got them there in front of you. One of them is our creativity. We've lost the ability to problem solve for innovation. It's really hard to be really creative when you're really tired. We've lost our short-term memory, meaning we can't remember who we were about to text. Um, someone says, did you send that email? And we're like, didn't remember I told you I'd send an email. I saw this, this meme and I thought this could really explain a lot of us. It says, my ability to remember song lyrics from the 80s far exceeds my ability to remember why I walked into the kitchen. <laughs> I see that hand. Yeah, you're walking like, well, I'm here. I'm here. Why am I here? Why am I here? Why am I here? You know, I get it. Next one, our, it's stolen our strength. Um, people are reporting just absolute exhaustion. Um, I thought about putting a meme, but I didn't want to just be meme heavy that said, um, Something like, welcome to midlife, where you're exhausted all day and can't sleep all night. I was like, that might hit a little too home, too close to home, so maybe not, but we feel it. There's a lack of grace for irritating people. Amen? Yeah, that lady who has 30 items in the 15-lane item at ATB. Pre-2020, we're like, God bless her. Post-2020, we've got cart rage, right? We're wanting to ram her right off the, the place. Maybe I'm just speaking for myself. Our desire to have human contact is diminishing. Pre-2020, we were hearing stuff about FOMO, fear of missing out. Our mentality these days is hardly, oh, bummer, we didn't get invited. It's more like, thank God that got canceled. We're staying home, right? There's just a lack of, of, of desire for people. Am I, am I relating to any of this, okay? Yeah, that's why you signed up for the class, I'm sure. But however, our company, our church, our kids, our spouse, our community is asking us to bring our A game at 100%. And that was my story. For me, as I was going into 2020, I was pretty wiped out. And I got to 2020, 2021. I'm just going to be honest. I, I was having panic attacks. I was waking up every night at 3 in the morning. Uh, couldn't go back to sleep. And on, interestingly, I was really experiencing a high level with God. People would come to me and be like, man, that prophetic word you gave is so powerful. Your sermons are getting more clear and all that. But my, I was really emotionally, there was some deadness happening. And it wasn't sin. It wasn't like I was in sin. It's just that my inner world was was in some disarray and would need to be addressed pretty courageously and quite patiently. Um, and that was really tough because I was beginning to realize, I think my soul is starting to buckle under some intense um, intensity. Um, 
And really, I guess that's where this class kind of started. I wasn't taking notes thinking I was doing a class, but here we are. Um, And really, over these weeks, I just want to give you the gift of my very real, very messy relationship with God. That's okay with everybody. Um, And at times, it won't feel happy. Like, I thought about calling this class the bad news and next week the good news. Like, I mean, the title is the state of the disunion, okay? So it's not, it's kind of apparent. It's not, it's not, it's not easy here. Um, actually, I thought about giving an alternative title to this talk. I thought about calling it spiritual renewal for um, busy, stuck, confused, or, you know, or want to address the deep ache inside they can't explain. But I thought that's just a little too dramatic and melancholy, which I can be sometimes, but I thought, let's just not start on a melancholy note like that. But if that's kind of where you are, if you're like, yeah, I kind of relate to some of that, then I think God has a, a plan for you. And that's why we're here, because I think his plan for you is to experience deep, deep renewal by the Holy Spirit. Question is, what is renewal? The dictionary describes renewal as the replacing or the repair of something that is worn out, run down, or broken. That's what renewal is. And I kind of like that. I, I, I like that there's a replacing. I don't really love repair, because a lot of times what we do in church is we try to go to church, get repaired, and get back out there and run at the same pace. And it could be that if God's doing a deep work in you, he's not trying to repair you and send you back out. He's actually trying to build a completely different operating system within you. And if he's doing that, it will, it will feel very slow. It won't feel like I touched him in his garment and I'm healed. It'll feel like this is ongoing. It's been weeks, months, potentially even years. It's taking a while. But if he does that and he builds that in you, you'll experience that renewal. So how do you know if you're a candidate for renewal? I, I wrote a, a list here. This is I thought about Jeff Foxworthy. You know, he has the, uh, you might be a redneck if, okay? (laughs) This is the very not funny version of that, okay? This is the, oh, okay, I'm depressed by the time Carl gets done version of that, okay? But it actually might help you go, oh, yeah, I've I've experienced some of these. Uh, Number one, if your spiritual disciplines seem like chores and the very thought of doing them exhausts you. If you live with an increasing level of guilt that you are not now as you once were, or as you should be. If there's a low level of anger consistently hovering below the surface, seemingly ready to blow at any time. If you look back at former spiritual highlight seasons as the best years of your life, and there seems to be no way to get back there. On the bleak side, you wish that life was over and have trouble finding purpose in the day-to-day. If you've endured a recent spike of pain, problems, tragedy, and or emptiness. If you're honest with yourself, you have some deep disappointment towards God and feel stalled in your spiritual walk despite all the Christian activities that you're participating in. Or your old trusted routines and patterns that once helped you get spiritual breakthroughs no longer seem to be working. If you have a growing amount of questions, doubts, and or skepticism about faith, church, God and the way he works or doesn't work. And if that's you, I just want to say you've come to the right place. I'm so, so grateful you're here. You're experiencing various levels of shame that rob you of joy and hope on a regular basis. If you've watched people close to you walk away from Jesus and the church, if it breaks your heart and there might be fear inside of you that you could do the same. Or if the previous items don't relate to you, don't resonate with you, but there's a deep longing in your gut to meet Jesus in a non-religious, authentic way. You don't know how to get there, but you just can't shake it. You could be a candidate for renewal. I want to give you a second to look back through those. And just, if you wouldn't mind being vulnerable and courageous, and just circle 
if there's any of those that relate to you, maybe circle one of them. Go back. Can you slide them? Art, which one you want? Huh? Oh, was I fast? Oh, okay. Yeah, I didn't want you to live in the, in the miry mud there for too long. Uh, spiritual discipline. We'll go, we'll go back to one through three. Spiritual disciplines seem like chores, and the very thought of doing them exhausts you. You live with an increasing level of guilt. You're not now as you once were or as you should be. There's a low level of anger consistently hovering below the surface. Look back at former spiritual highlight seasons as the best years of your life. Or you wish that this life was over, have trouble finding purpose in the day-to-day, or have endured a recent spike of pain, problems, and tragedy, or emptiness. Uh, if you've dealt with some disappointment toward God, feel stalled in your spiritual walk, if old trusted routines and patterns don't seem to be working, growing amount of questions or doubts, about faith, church, or God. Next one. If shame's robbing you of joy and hope. The next two, there's no blanks to fill in, but just take a minute, just circle. If there's one, if there's two, if there's ten, take a second. Yeah, Donna. Me, me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <clears throat> also, a lot of my conversations with a lot of people. I mean, I didn't get it from a book. I mean, but it just comes with a lot of conversations with a lot of counselors, a lot of pastors, and people who have experienced it. <clears throat> Good question, Donna. <clears throat> okay, this is kind of vulnerable, but raise your hand if you circled at least one of these. I really want you to look around and see that. Anybody circle more than one? Anybody circle more than one? Yeah? Um, I want you to see that because for multiple reasons, but I want you to also hear this. I want you to hear that if you circled one of those in a previous spiritual life, the thought would have been, you need to persevere. And I'm, I'm, I'm wanting to lean you in and say, yes, but no. Like you may think, okay, what I need is I need to Carl lay hands on me at the end. We got to break this off in Jesus' name. And I'm a big believer in those kind of God encounters that changed my life. <clears throat> but if you're there, you're starting to realize the, the wall won't budge. And there's no like magic, like, you know, breakthrough that happens. And so um, you're realizing you can't make it happen. And that's a good thing. It's just a hard place to be. And... But if you're longing for that spiritual 
satisfaction and transformation. There's a promise from God that you can, you can encounter that, but it's, it's not a quick thing. I, I've been reading from a, a former uh, a, a saint named St. Ignatius of Loyola. He's a Spanish priest. He was in the 1500s. He said this, We should not fix our lives on health or sickness, wealth or poverty, success or failure, a long life or a short one. For everything has the potential of calling forth in us a more loving response to our life forever with God. Our only desire and our one choice should be this. I want and choose what better leads to God's deepening life in me. God's deepening life in me. Isn't that beautiful? That's what we're talking about. When we say renewal, we're talking about that deepening, deep, deep, deep with God. And again, the reason I want you to hear this is because a lot of time in our churches, we offer revivals. Anybody grow up going to revivals like I did? You know, that once a week thing that I just, those really shaped me. I was a part of a real move of God in the 90s, a real revival. We as a church contend for revival. I'm a big fan of revival. Revival in- includes encounters that, that shape you and mark you, and they feel like lightning bolts, and they, they just knock you to the ground sometimes, and they will just radically, radically hit you at, ma- at major levels. I'm a big revivalist and a revival fan, studied revivals for many years. What I found is you can actually have revival and actually still be encountering some emotional wipe out and exhaustion and even decay. So there's a need for revival, but there's a company need for renewal because renewal is an emotional and deeply spiritual element that comes at a deeper, deeper place. So if you experience renewal, you often feel you have revival, but you can actually have revival, not have renewal. I'm a big advocate of needing both of those. And that's what we're, that's what we're talking about. That's the promise that we see in Ezekiel 36. It says, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. Isn't that beautiful? A new heart and a new spirit in you. Again, no class, no teacher, no course can guarantee a renewal, but God just guaranteed it. So in the course of this class, what we really have to do is we kind of have to pause and pull up a spiritual GPS and say, so where are we right now? Like, where am I? So I can know where I'm at in this Glacier National Park of life, find out where I'm at, and then say, God, meet me here. I want you to know, God will not meet you anywhere other than where you are. Right? That's the kindness of our Father. He doesn't go, okay, I'll meet you. I just need to see you down here. He's like, no, you're here. I'm coming to you. And he's going to take you to the next place. But you have to know where you are to be able to figure that out. And sometimes there's not language for that. That can be difficult. So you have two jobs tonight. One is to start the beginning process of figuring out where you are. I'm going to help you with that. Second job is to surrender. <laughs> There's some fairy dust coming, bro, so it's coming over. Absolutely, yeah. That, we're going to work on that because that's not an easy one. Thank you for saying that because I, 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 I need that same help myself. Let's start with the GPS coordinates. We'll end on the surrender part, all right? Now, if you talk to... Uh, so you may have heard me talk about um, a friend of mine named Bill Galtier. He was my... Still is. Count my, I, he's my counselor. He's my friend, my mentor, uh, regular contact with him. He's amazing. He, he's written a book called Journey of the Soul. If you are flying high on cloud nine in your spiritual life, 
I would not recommend you read it. It will feel boring, um, and people don't believe me, and then they go get it. They get one chapter, and they're like, that's just really not that great. I'm like, that's because you're doing great. But if there's anything in those 12 that you're like, I'm living in, you will love this book. It will, it will be like, oh, okay, someone finally studied me and put it into language. And I found this at 3 a.m. in one of those days and started reading it and almost read it through in one sitting. I needed it that much. Very, very helpful. And what I love about Bill and Christie is they have been psychologists for 30 years, and um, they have something that they call the Christ stages. And you have this, I believe, in your, it's a big circle you have in your, uh, uh, in your packet. And this is fantastic language for the spiritual journey a lot of us go on. And I'm sorry, we're going to put this up. It's small. I didn't know we couldn't make it that big. Again, I thought eight to 12 people were going to be here. So we'll work on getting things bigger and better next go round. But I want to, this is not what I want to do. I want to walk you through these stages of spiritual life. This is not a ladder. This is not linear. God moves us around different places, different times. Um, but if you don't know what they are, then you may not know where you are, okay? So we're gonna, I'm going to walk you through a little bit of these and see if I can um, get you started. Again, there's a whole book on this, and they take whole weeks to explain it. We're about to do it in about five minutes, okay? Uh, the first step is, the first stage is confidence in Christ. Confidence in Christ is when you get saved, or is when you come back to God, or when you first you know, came to college here at Baylor, and then you fell in love with God, okay? And you're just really at this point, you are falling in love with the Lord. You're learning uh, some of the first spiritual disciplines. You're getting involved in church. You're loving to pray and starting to learn that journey of prayer. Uh, you love the scripture, the stories of the scripture, especially the gospels will really resonate with you at this stage. And there's a lot of gratitude. You're learning to submit to God's sovereignty. And there's just a good beautiful beginning that's happening in you in the confidence in Christ uh, stage. A lot of people get baptized at this uh, place in their walk with the Lord because God's doing this work of making you confident in the new spiritual journey you're on, okay? H stands for help and discipleship. At this stage, you're finding mentors. Uh, Again, those disciplines are getting into a deeper place, but you're Uh, At this place, for me, I did a discipleship school, Antioch's discipleship school. Uh, A lot of scripture memory here. We memorized five verses a week during that time. Um, I I was getting shaped by the word of God, listening to lots of teachers. Again, uh, loved learning about um, uh, spiritual warfare, uh, getting in a life group and learning how to be involved in community. A lot of the help and discipleship stages are major shapers for you um, in your spiritual walk. Um, our stage is uh, called Responsibilities in Ministry. We put ministry in quotes because probably about two of you are in full-time ministry. This is not about vocational ministry. This is about giving your life away, okay? So you could be a doctor, you could be uh, an accountant, whatever you are. And this is where, because of your C stage and H stage, you start developing more responsibilities. You probably are asked to lead that life group you were faithful to, right? Um, You're asked to be on the board of your kid's school, and now you're trapped in three years of meetings serving them, okay? Your family expands, and now, (laughs) just looking at board members, Uh, your family, your family, your family, I've been there, family expands, and now you have more responsibilities. We were just, it was just me and you. Now it's like me, you, and they keep coming with us everywhere we go, you know, and this is taking on a little bit more than I thought. Maybe your career advances, but God's doing a deep work here. A lot of it, identity in Christ to get shaped here. And, um, you know, you're learning to take it and give it away. You're sharing the gospel. You're going on mission trips. Maybe you're getting asked to lead those mission trips. Uh, maybe you did the discipleship school and that's a, a training school experience. Okay. Now we're going to skip that next little part and go to the next part. Inner journey. 
the inner life journey. This is where you start having deep experiences of God's love that are even hard to put into words. Um, and, you know, you're just really trying to pay attention to the work of the Holy Spirit in your life. You might start practicing more silence and solitude. You may read old classics of, of scripture, try, of, of, of writings about scripture, and just really letting God's deepening work, that's the, the inner stage journey, happens in that place. And, um, and really moving from rules to relationship in a way that you hadn't before. S stands for spirit-led ministry. Again, in quotes, this is not about in preachers. This is about I am moving at a slower pace so that I abide in him and he abides in me and I can produce much fruit. And in my earlier days, I was like, God, it's all for you. And now it's just, I need this to be God with me. All right. And so there's a little bit more of the carrying the easy yoke of Jesus at this place. Um, and you'll probably start to see you're journaling more, um, kind of taking notes on what God's doing, really trying to follow him. T stands for transforming union. Um, I'm still trying to understand this one, to be honest, but I'm not even there, so I don't have to worry about it. But this would be like Madame Guyon, if you know her, or Brother Lawrence practicing the presence of God, Mother Teresa. Now you know why I'm not there, right? You know, they've, they have, this is so a part of their life, their mind is freed up to live in another realm of, with, with Jesus, okay? Um, now, I skipped over one part, and that's the part that says the wall, okay? The wall. And the wall is this place that all of us come to at certain points in our life where we might, we hit something internally and we can't, don't feel like we can move past it for some reason. It might be burnout, compassion fatigue. It could be spiritual burnout. Um, it could be a real crisis you go through in your life. It could be a tragedy you go through in your life. When my mom passed away, it was a wall for me. I couldn't get over um, My brother passed away. It was a wall. Um, this can, be, um, this can be all types of uh, just kind of unexpected moments that, that kind of rock you, and you just go, wow, did not, I didn't see this coming, and here I am, okay? And what Bill and Christy like to talk about is how they kind of call this like a, a, the fir- a first, kind of a first tier of life and a second tier of life, and in that first tier of life, it's all leading to that wall, and oftentimes you hit that wall, and it so stuns you, you don't know how to get past it. And inevitably, at the wall, you will come to church, and Carl will start a new series called Here's the Six Disciplines We're Going to Talk About Over the Next Weeks. And you're like, disciplines? Like, I, I am surviving right now. I hate Carl. Like, I don't want to go to church anymore. Like, because you're hearing C-stage message, and you're not there emotionally. So James Mark's worship, you liked. Carl's sermon, you hate. And the reason is, is because where you're at internally is not resonating with what you came to life group that week. And we said, we're all going to go around and do accountability. And we're going to ask you how your time with God is, if you're walking in purity or holiness, and if you're giving your life away. And you're like, okay, I got another thing I'm going to give away. You know, like you're like, and all of a sudden everybody's like, why am I wanting to run people off of the road in Glacier National Park? You know, I've talked to so many, in the last six weeks, the amount of people I've talked to at the wall, I can't, it's like God's given me divine appointments wherever I go. And what breaks my heart is they don't know they're there any more than I knew I was there. So they're saying things like, Carl, I'm at an impasse in this certain relationship, and I'm trying to read the Bible, but I'm staring at it. And I might journal, I might not, and then I leave, and it's over. I'm stuck. And I, or, or Carl, I just got upended in a, in a situation financially or in my job. Never thought I would be 40 years old or 47 years old and be here. And I love God with all my heart. 
but I'm stuck. I actually wrote down some of these. Just see if you see any themes of what I've heard people say to me recently. Carl, I've walked with God my entire life. I've done a training school. I've led mission trips. I love God. He's worthy of my life. But if I'm honest, I don't know that I've ever felt God really likes me. I just feel stuck. In my 20s and 30s, I ran hard after God. In fact, I used to be a leader. I was a church planner. I still love God deeply, but I've been dealt several key blows to my dream, my idealism, and now I think I've got issues with God. I hear this all the time. I love him. I'm just starting to feel jaded. Uh, my days start insanely early. I run my kids around all day long, barely have time to pray, hear sermons about prayer, feel bad about it. All the while, all the while I'm dealing with complex scenarios that are draining my soul. I truly love the Lord, but besides church services, I can hardly think straight spiritually. One gentleman told me, I'm pushing 70, and I do not know why I am on planet Earth still. It's not that I'm suicidal. I just don't want to be here anymore. I did not see life going this way, and I'm wondering if this is my lot in life till I go to Jesus. You, you hear some themes here? Like, do me a favor. Just pause. I know I kind of went fast, but turn to a neighbor there and say, what are some themes of what you just heard? Just turn to someone next to you and say, Carl ran through those pretty fast, but what are some themes you heard? Anybody mind just shouting out what are what the theme y'all heard in all that? Something that kind of caught you. Burnout. Burnout. Heard some burnout in there. Anybody else? Yeah. Did you hear anybody go? I hate God. No. Everybody's like, I love God. That's exactly right. I just don't know what to do next. Good point, Summer. Anybody else? Numbness. Yeah. That's scary. It's really scary. Um, especially when you're sitting in church next to someone, they're like crying. (laughs) Oh my God, it's the best thing ever. And you're like, you were right there. I'm right here. You know, Joe, say it again. Mask. Mask. Tell me more. What do you you mean by that? Right. Yeah. Carl's showing up at the crowd going, here I am happy for my ride. Didn't just have a breakdown and almost hit a bear. No, not at all. Thanks, Joe. Somebody else? Any other? Ambiguity of purpose. Yeah. That's ambiguity of purpose. Great, great phrase. A lot of that. And I hope you also see these are kind of deeper. So, like, that's why there's, like, no college students here probably. Maybe there's one or two. I don't know. But this is not like, this is not like, yeah, I failed my test. Dang it. God, are you good or not? You know what I mean? Like, this is, I've lived a little bit. The tests have gotten a little larger. We'd love to fail an accounting test again. That would be awesome. You know, this, you know, oh, I broke up with my girlfriend. And I just don't know that I'll ever get married. I'm 20 years old. Okay. It's like, we're just going to pray for you to get grace and you're going to be fine. It's just going to hurt a little bit longer, but you're going to be good. This is, again, the, the breakup we feel is a little different. All right. You see what I'm saying? This is a much deeper thing. 
Um, if you feel any of those things, and I want, or if you have felt them, or um, you feel them, I want to say two things to you. Number one, you just saw a whole bunch of hands go up, which means you're not alone. And that's the number one lie the enemy is telling you. You're alone. And I'm going to church, and the guy next to me is crying, and everybody else is running to the front, and they're doing testimonies at Life Group. Everybody led someone to Jesus this week but me. I think I love Jesus. <laughs> I just don't know what's going on, and there could just be this, this, this war. Um, and again, like I said, in March of 2021 was when I first heard about this dynamic, and I heard about the wall, and I just began to weep. It makes me emotional now. I just think about it. Um, I was experiencing. I was experiencing the darkest dark I had ever experienced in my life up to that point. And I just kept thinking. I guess I'm asking God, God, what I do? I, did I do something to disappoint you? What did I do? Because my theology says, "Let God be true and every man a liar," which means it's on me. So I've done something to experience the dryness, to experience the hole. What have I done? And now you're not talking to me? You know, and now I'm on sabbatical. They're like paying my salary to go be with you and you're not talking to me? I mean, this was a, this was a dark hole that did not get fixed because I went to a conference and went to Montana. And I, honestly, this was like 12, 18 months. So if you're at walls, walls can sometimes last a month or two. They can sometimes last a couple of years, especially if it involves a lot of tragedy that you've gone through lately. Um, and I'm really grateful for my mentors that sat me down and said, yeah, I went through something similar. It took me about five years to recalibrate. And he said, God's a God of hope. He can meet you. But if, if it doesn't happen immediately, you need to know point number two. Number one is you're not alone. Point number two is that while you may have done some things that weren't all perfect along the journey, it's not your fault. That's what you need to hear. And that's not on your notes somewhere. I'm just, I'm just saying it. If you're there, it's not your fault. This is something that, um, that you're experiencing that God is going to meet you in. But apart, I mean, if you, if you have like drastically fallen into sin, which is for sure some people and blown your life up, then yeah, there's some things that are your fault. I find that most people I talk to at this wall, they're like, man, I really did some stuff to get myself here. But, but it really... They don't understand, no, God is initiating something with you here. He grieves over the emotions you're feeling. He has a lot of empathy for you. I hope you find other friends that have a lot of empathy for you in this place because that's one of the ways you're going to make it through the wall is through empathy from others. That's why I said your only um, act is surrender. Henry Nouwen, the late uh, philosopher and priest, he said this, don't whip yourself for your lack of spiritual progress. The way to victory is not in trying to overcome your dispiriting emotions directly, but in building a deeper sense of safety and at-homeness and a more incarnate knowledge that you are deeply loved. Isn't that great? Those words I did very specifically. Don't whip yourself for your lack of spiritual progress. Why can't I get over this wall? And you will not need to, you can't, Get through this by trying to overcome your dispiriting emotions directly, like you may have done in the past. And especially if you're a good, hard, strong soldier, like I can be, it doesn't make sense. But what do you need to a more incarnate knowledge? You are deeply loved. Oh, I love that. That's why all you need to do is surrender tonight. And we'll get to that in a minute. 
But the fact that you're here means you've already started the journey. You know, if you come back for week two, means you, you're really, you're still in the journey. Again, this is not linear. This is a process with God. All right. By now you're probably going, wow, this is not a typical Carl sermon. Um, where he starts with something stupid he's done, and then he ties it into the topic we all need, and then he rolls us up into this little Bible burrito, verse by verse, and he slings us out into our week with a crazy prop, crazy clear practical, and now we walk out of here knowing what to do. Because if you're at the wall, that doesn't help you. It actually can set you back if you, if you, if you don't understand this, this concept, and if others don't as well. And so um, what I'd like to do as we close tonight is I'd like to give you another grid to think through. And again, if you're like, well, I really thought he was just going to give us joy for an hour and a half. Um, it's coming, but we at the wall, it's not like, give me some jokes, right? We need to listen to Jeff Foxworthy to maybe get us some hope for the day, but, but, but it's not going to get me through, through the wall. And I love what um, they say in Alcoholics Anonymous, uh, the only way out is through, Okay. So I am so sorry. Again, I was planning for 8 to 12 people and when they gave me this whiteboard. I'm sorry it's so small, but you've got something there in your um, packet that we're going to walk through here for a minute. And it, uh, it kind of explains what I'm about to go through. But basically, I just recently learned this uh, philosophy of looking at everything I just shared with you through two paradigms, okay? Uh, two par- we're going to call these two paradigms for spirituality. This isn't like a big theological thing. It's really more just philosophy of how to live life. And um, we're going to break it into two ways of, of uh, two grids for your spiritual life. And you got kind of on your map there, it says zero over here and a hundred. Let's just say you live zero to a hundred years, okay? In the first half of your life, your life is predominantly, your spirituality, I'm sorry, is more active, meaning it is predominantly up to you for what you experience. I mean, at one level, none of us change apart from God's spirit, right? But you have to set your alarm and get up in the morning and spend time with God or it doesn't happen. You have to pay the money to go on that mission trip or it doesn't happen. You have to actually show up at Life Group and be there or you don't have that community, right? So a lot of that is, is, up, is up to you and you've had, you, have to, you have to make that happen. However, um, the, this little philosophy says that the second half of our life, and I'm not saying at 50 years old, this begins. It's more just as you go along. This is what, and I don't love the word passive. I understand that might really be a trip up to some of us. If you define manhood as we reject passivity, accept responsibility, lead courageously, and expect the greater reward, you'll hate that word too, okay? I do too, but it really helps clarify what I'm about to share that God wants to do in the spirit. Because in this part of your life, it's not up to you. It's up to God. Your spiritual progress is up to God. And what I mean by this is that at this, at, at kind of a later stage in life, it's not always about what you make happen. It's a lot about what happens to you and how you respond to that. So let's take suffering. You can mitigate it to a degree, but all of us are going to face this, right? Everybody in this room has already faced it. And you're going to feel this at some level. And the question is not, will I face it? Not if. The qu- it's all an issue of when. All right? And so this can be various stages of life. This can be, I just had a baby and I'm dealing with postpartum. This could be, I'm aging and body parts aren't working like they used to. Um, 
um, ambiguity of purpose, like we just talked about. This can, this, isn't, this can be all kinds of stuff. We all feel suffering when our computer won't boot up like fast, you know, like, come on, let's go. But this can be a little bit deeper, and it can refer to what do I do at this, at this stage in my life? And again, this isn't linear. You actually do both all the time. Like, you know, when you were five years old, you didn't pick your kindergarten. It was chosen for you, right? You know, I see Carrie Etheridge, you're like, your kids aren't praying every Sunday about what church to go to. It's like, get in the car, we're going to Antioch, okay? So, it, it was, you know, it's, it's, it's done for you, and it's, cho- it's choices that you make. So it's, it, it's not linear totally. There's some back and forth. But there is, there is to some degree, a, a place where you start to realize there are some things that are happening to me, and I can either deny it, I can resist it, or I can surrender and trust God that he's wanting to do a deeper work in it. And that might be how he gets me through the wall. So I may not have the ability to get myself to the other side. And again, I told you this isn't 50 years, but I, I think that it is interesting that with this line, there is something called midlife that happens to all of us. And I don't know when that happens happened to you. I'm looking at some young faces and some faces like me that have gray hair. Um, I probably felt around 39, like, okay, I'm 39. I've got gray hair. And I'm tired. Like, all of a sudden, you know, it just starts hitting you. And I actually thought that the midlife predicament, midlife crisis was for just kind of spiritual wimps who couldn't get their act together. And then I had one, you know, and I was like, all right. A matter of fact, uh, my counselor, one of our first meetings, he was like, how you doing? I was like, I'm not doing well. And I explained it. And he's like, Carl, listen, you've been kind of like a gunner, just like this for a long time in a vigilant state. I want you to relax, take as many naps as you can, do everything fun you want to do short of sin. And Blair was like, oh God, do not tell Carl that. He will, we will travel the whole world doing every fun, crazy thing and being $50,000 in debt. And, uh, and so he was like, what do you like to do? I was like, I like country music. I like concerts. I mean, he's like, go to concerts. So Blair and I, we just started going to concerts. I mean, we did some good ones. World Mandate hit. And she's like, how are you going to feel World Mandate? And I was like, great, no big deal. She's like, you led it for 20 years. I'm like, it's no big deal. The day came and I was like, I'm not a World Mandate. What am I doing in my life? They all love God. They're going to nations. I'm at home reading poetry. Like, what is wrong with me, God? And literally at four o'clock, we heard Brian Regan was in Dallas. We left at 4.01 and went and, and laughed our head off so that I could distract myself while Francis Chan or whoever was here, I wouldn't know, rocked your world. Next couple of weeks later, we went to see Garth Brooks in Kansas City. Let me tell you, if you're in a low place, you need 70,000 people grabbing hands going, I got friends in low. And you're just like, I found my people, all right? Blair took a picture, sent it to our friends and said, pray for us on Carl's Midlife Crisis Tour. Um, <laughs> It was awesome. Saw some other people. If you want to talk about that later, find me after the show. But it's real. It was real. And I didn't know it was real. And I was thankful that God was doing something through Garth Brooks and Brian Regan and Corey Asbury and everybody else we went to go see. But again, the reason I say this is because we're not always honest about this part. So you come to church and you hear us go, get in a life group. Listen to this life group. What they did is they all rallied together and they got everybody out of debt. You ought to go to life group too. We never say... Here's this person. She's been to seven life groups in the last seven years. They're still not her friends. It takes up all kinds of time. And she hates small groups. She's an introvert. She kept going back, probably has more scars left. And, you know, and no one ever says that part or you wouldn't go to life group, right? So we preach the idealism, not always the realism in spirituality. And if that happens, then eventually you're like, everybody gets it but me. 
Or you just get online until you go find everybody who doesn't get it, and they're not following God anymore, and you're like, I guess I could just walk with them. So you deconstruct your faith without reconstructing your faith, and you're out the door. But what God's trying to do is kind of draw you in and go, whoa, 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 whoa. I want you to be really, really honest. So you Bible readers, who is known in the Bible for being like painstakingly honest? David. I mean, I am shocked he did not get more rebukes for what he wrote in that thing. Like it should have said, here's what David just said he feels. And then it should have been a little Job and God moment. Who do you think you are? Did you make the heavens? But instead it would say, Selah, pause. (laughs) Think about that. So what Blair and I just did, we were in Portland. We were at this monastery. We were learning from some Benedictine monks and some other people. So we went to this prayer time with these Benedictine monks. They pray seven times a day. It was very beautiful. We're still kind of letting God change our, it was really rocking. But I'm standing next to Blair. We have our prayer, we have our prayer book. And we are singing the monotonal prayers of the, of the monks with them. And they're like, da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da. And they just read the Psalms. And this is, I'm not kidding, Psalm 140. This is what we sang last week. Just like this. Rescue me, Lord, from evil men. Keep me safe from violent men who plant evil in their hearts. They store up wars all day long. They make their tongues as sharp as a snake's bite. Viper's venom is under their lips. Selah. (laughs) And I start smiling, looking around like, are we singing this? When those who surround me rise up, may the trouble their lips cause overwhelm them. Let hot coals fall on them. Let them be thrown into the fire, into the abyss, never again to rise. And I was just like, yes, God. Yeah. I mean, I'm looking at Blair. She's like, you know, just, I'm just about to fall out of my skin laughing. Like, because what I do in my sermons, when I hit that point is I put a little dot, dot, dot. I don't go, and the serpents and abyss. You know, I don't do that. I just got to move on. David was called a man after God's own heart. And you need to hear this because part of your spiritual journey toward renewal will require you getting honest about where you really are, not where you want to be, not where you think you should be, not where someone told you you should be. It will be where you really are. It is excruciating honesty to go, I'm here. And God, I'm mad at you, or I'm mad at this person, or I'm stuck in this place, or I'm wondering what to do next. You got to get Psalm 140 honest. Say, what do I do? And where do I go from here? What Bill and Christy will tell you is they will tell you that we start here in the managed life, stage one and two, where you're getting three biblical principles for finances, four biblical principles for relationships, five biblical ways to get breakthrough in your walk with God, and you need these here deeply. And I'm looking around the room, and I'm just seeing that there's some people in here who've lived some life, which means you've been here a little deeper in your walk with God. And you'll come on that Sunday where we talk about baptism. You already did that. And you'll come in and Jimmy will talk about how to have a quiet time. And you've been doing it for 35 years. You're here. But then you hit that moment that we all hit called the wall. And what Bill and Christy would say is that we all hit this place, but nobody knows what to do at it. So we wait till we feel better. And then we go back and we just repeat the cycle. So most of the church lives here. Certain people get here, we all get here, and then we just live here. And what we don't know is that for the one that will take the hand of Jesus 
and a trusted guide that will give you love and empathy through the way. There is a way through this wall that leads to renewal. And it's that person like Daryl Atwood who when he was on his deathbed, Jimmy went to go see him and he just said, I'm just sitting here bearing fruit. What do you mean you're bearing fruit? I'm abiding with him. He's abiding with me. It's going to affect your life and Margie's, yeah, just with him. Just living over here, bearing fruit, abiding with him. But this is a, a slow, this is slow spirituality. That's why we said this would be a seven-week class because it takes a while to get a little bit deeper. And that's what I, I want for everyone. I want for everybody to hit that wall and go, I'm going to walk all the way through it. And I won't be able to walk with you through all of that wall if you're there right now. Seven weeks is not always a long, long enough, but we can at least begin to acknowledge where we are, get Psalm 140 honest about that, and then begin the process of surrender. That process of surrender is going to start right now. So if you've got your stuff in your hands, you can put it down on the table. And I just want you to close your eyes for a moment. Kind of ending the way we began, just want you to take some deep breaths. Just breathe in and, and exaggerate these breaths a little bit. I want you to go and then hold it and then just. If it helps you to hold your hands in an open position, that's fine. Or Just do that over again. Just and then hold it. doing that. And we're going to go to the cross. Jesus is on the crosses. And scriptures show us that his last words were, into your hands I commit my spirit. Talk about surrender. He has no ability to bring himself back to life. because he gave himself to the humanity of our humanity. He would need the Spirit of God to resurrect him. And he trusted a loving father, even though he just said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Painstakingly honest and abundantly surrendering. And I just want to encourage you, as you just did, to Maybe ask for the grace to pray those words to Jesus for the days ahead, for the weeks ahead. But it just it comes down to this moment. We talk about how do you find help to surrender. I just want you just to breathe in the words into your hands. And then breathe out saying, I commit my spirit. It might feel kind of like, are we just doing yoga with Bible verses? You know, like, what is this? This is... This is really you beginning to train your body to come to a place of peace in the surrender of God. And I want to encourage you, just as I'm silent, that you just keep breathing in into your hands, hold it, and then breathe out, I commit my spirit. I want you just to do that for a moment now, over and over again.
And now maybe just God might point out something or you might feel that there's something that's really hard and challenging. It's that, that relationship, your future. The child that you have is not walking with the Lord right now. The parent that won't listen to you. might be the way you may have labeled yourself after you've gone through a real hard, painful scenario. might be a person that just keeps hurting you. I just want to encourage you to keep praying that, but it's into your hand I commit that. Into your hands I commit them. Into your hands I I commit this and just breathe in and breathe out. And it might not be easy. It might hurt. But it's more than just words. This is the emotional relinquishing of your ability to take it further. This is you are stepping into passive spirituality right now. It is up to God. I'm just going to be silent and let you be there for a moment. mind wanders, it's okay. Just bring it back to him and just keep saying it over and over. In your hands, I commit my future. In your hands, I commit my emotions. In your hands, I commit my renewal.
there's a sin struggle that keeps coming up in your mind and feel like it's blocking you from God, just give it to him. I give this to you. And I just had the sense maybe some of you are like, I've brought this to God so many times. What's the point? I think that the point now is you're stepping into some deep emotional honesty that Jesus loves. And just bring it back. at this place all you need to do is what you can do and what you can do is commit commit to the surrender you can't change yourself but you can commit to the surrender and trust God to do the rest and so we do Lord and I'm so thankful we serve a God who looks at Psalm 140 prayers and says that's the heart of a woman who's just like my heart. That's the heart of a man who gets me. Begin to knock off the shame, Lord. Begin to breathe into some weary places. And let the rivers of living water that you promised become a reality for my friends in the days, weeks, months, years ahead. In Jesus' name, amen. I did one of these exercises at family camp a few weeks ago. We sat in groups and said, how was that? And the lady next to me said, well, I'm a mom of three kids. I fell flat asleep the whole time. <laughs> I said, probably exactly what you needed. A bunch of naps, probably be good for you. And if you fell asleep, that's okay. It's probably a good thing for you. And I, but I want you to be able to just take the remaining time. We have seven minutes left to be able to turn to someone there next to you. And just, we've got a series of reflection questions that you can pick from um, where you can really turn and say, here's what that my Lectio word was, and here's why that word stuck out to me. and Or... What's one takeaway that you had tonight? Maybe it's one of those 12 renewal steps. You're like, wow, that, that's how I feel right now. Maybe not. Um, or how that breath prayer was for you. I'll be honest, the first time I did that, it took about 30 minutes and did it, and it was, it was painful. It was hard. Um, I felt peace, but I, it was hard because I was like, oh, God, I, I, need, I need this to go my way. And it was hard to release that. So it's not always just peaceful, easy feeling. Sometimes it is, and sometimes it's not. Um, but I gave you that breath prayer and that Lectio for this reason. You can do that breath prayer all the time. And actually, some of you right now, if you're at the wall, a 60-minute quiet time is really tough to pull off. But the most powerful things that were said in Scripture by Jesus were things like, get up, take your mat, and walk. I say to you, arise. And so you can take into your hands, I commit my spirit, carry it all day long. I, a lot of times I'll do Lectio Divina in the morning and I'll have a word like, surely, and I'll just think about that all day long. 
My word yesterday was dwell. I just love that dwell all day long. It's the way I was able to abide with God. So just encourage you, that might be something you could, you could do. Um, I'm not going to be trying to give you lots of homework week in, week in and week out. I don't want you to feel that way. But if you're wondering what this, what this page is on the back, it's, a, it's a, something that you could do as an exercise in your time with God. It's basically an explanation of what we just did, where it starts to like a lot of us live up here in the managed life up at the top, where the main thing we're, we're feeling is trying to figure out what are those principles for success. And basically the, the driving question is, how do I look good and feel good? How do I keep it all together? But then the wounded life happens to all of us, right? The, the, the parents divorce, the, the kid who walks away from the Lord, the, uh, the miscarriage. The, this, a lot of us live here. So what we end up trying to do is spending a lot of our life trying to get back up here. That's the driving question. How do I get back up here where it's managed? But what God wants to do is to take us down a little deeper into the richly formed life. And that's the caterpillar that is in the chrysalis process of slow transformation to go from inching along to flying. It's painful, it's slow, not always easy, but you come out um, in a beautiful, beautiful inner transformation. And so I would just encourage you to take this with you and maybe take some time this week down here in that middle and just name the wounds. And you might have to go to the back too, you know, just what are the wounds that, that have gotten me here? And then what are the invitations Jesus saying he wants to do in me and through me? Uh, and just take that time. You don't need to bring it back next week. This is not like homework. If you don't want to do it, don't do it. This is really just more of an exercise that might help you uh, to take what we've done, kind of figure out what do I do in the days ahead, and when we come back next week, um, like I said, I'm excited about what we're sharing about next week. Um, okay, I took some of the time explaining that, so now you only have about four minutes, but uh, turn to your neighbor uh, and uh, turn to a neighbor and share one of those things before you walk out of here so that you get a chance to talk. Go for it. From a fountain like no other, so I'm gonna drink from the well that never runs dry. It never runs dry, my Lord Jesus, the spring. And again, I know that we don't have a lot of time, so if you just want to turn to one person next to you and do that, feel free to do it so both of you can share.